good morning. I'm excited about being here with you on uh, the week that we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. Uh, I uh, We have a picture on the screen here. This is a game I grew up with playing with my family. Um, and there's something about this game uh, that just makes me really angry. Um, and one of the things about this game that makes me really angry is that card right there. Uh, the skip card. Um, it just so happens, you know, you're getting close to uh, getting close to Uno and somebody throws down the skip card, right? They go right over you. And then it never fails that. So like you're going to say Uno and some little monster is going to throw down the wild draw four. And with that wild draw four, we know what happens. You also get what? Skipped. They skip over you. And I'm just like, I kind of take it personal. I don't know if you do. You may not have uh, my personality type, but I get angry. I, I, I get angry. And I know I shouldn't. It's just a game. But I, so I fight it back. So if I'm not angry and I'm playing a game with you, it's because I'm really working hard and I'm, <laughs> I'm fighting it. Um, so that's it. Now, it's one thing to be skipped when you're playing a game or Uno. It's a totally other thing to be skipped when you're just in life. You know, that's a whole nother experience. I have been in my life, there have been many moments where I have felt skipped, where I have felt uh, bypassed, where I have felt that I'm not good enough. I have been passed over. I have been overlooked. I have many of those moments in my life, and I don't know if you have those moments or not. Maybe, though, at some of the times that I've been kind of skipped and passed by and left out and passed over in life have sometimes been things that because something I said, or maybe it was because of something I actually did, and I got kind of, you know, ignored, left out, skipped over. But sometimes it was something that I had no control over. It wasn't anything I did at all. Honestly, I had no control over it. And yet still, I have these snapshots. I brought with me some little snapshots. I don't know if you can see that. I know you can't see what's on it. But I have all these little snapshots in my life where... And they just, I, they, I played them over and over again in my head where I have been left out, skipped, passed over, not good enough. Sometimes things I did or said, sometimes things that just I had no control over at all. And yet other people looked at me and said, you're not good enough. You're, you are skipped. You are deleted. You are passed over. Wow. I know what it's like to feel that. I know what it's like to experience that because of the, I brought a lot of these with me. I have, I have five or six here because of these, I know what it feels like because of these snapshots. I was excluded. I was passed over. I was forgotten. I was skipped. And sometimes I would just simply completely ignored because of these snapshots 
these one, these little moments from time to time in my life. So now I understand maybe you have not felt that way. Not everybody feels that way. Maybe you have not felt that way, but there is one thing. So just so that we're all kind of on the same page together, you at least, if you have not felt that way, you kind of know what I'm talking about on one level, because we all, at least, don't we have that relative in our family that we would rather not be associated with, right? Do we have that? Everybody's got one, right? At least everybody's got one. The cousin, the cousin Eddie of the family, sure. We've all got that relative. We've all got someone. Um, and we've got snapshots of them too, don't we? <laughs> we have snapshots of that person in our family. And if we have those snapshots, then we're kind of trying to uh, keep those snapshots in, in a shoebox and, and pushed under the bed so nobody finds them, right? We don't want anybody finding those because here's why. Those snapshots will make us look bad. And it's not even us. It makes us look bad. It makes the entire family look bad, right? It does. We share the same genetics with that person, right? We share the same bloodline with that person. So here's a side note. I know as you're kind of thinking through this with me, if nobody's coming to mind in your family, I've got some bad news. (laughs) It's you, right? (laughs) If no one's coming to mind, then that is you. And, you know, we've all got those embarrassing moments, those embarrassing snapshots in our lives, and we want to put them in a drawer. We want to put them in a box, shove them under the bed. We don't want anyone to find them. We don't want anyone to know that part of our story or that other person that's in our story. Have you ever introduced somebody to, like, maybe... Maybe uh, your coworker or a boss, and you have to introduce somebody to them out of your family, and you're like, oh, man, what are they going to think? Or maybe you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, and you finally, the time has come, they have to meet your family, and you're like, oh, my word. Oh, no. I hope they don't embarrass me. We all have that person in our life that we're just like, oh, I hope they don't show up to the family reunion. I hope they don't show up to the family Christmas party because, come on, what are other people going to think of us because of them? We don't want that specific snapshot of our life to be available for everyone to see for public. We don't want that to be the only thing that the people around us remember us for. We don't want it to be that snapshot. Now, this year for Christmas, we have been going through the gospel stories and talking these biographies that are written about the life of Jesus. And we've been talking about the Christmas story in each one. So the first week we talked about the Christmas story in Mark. And then last week we talked about the Christmas story in John. And if you thought those were strange weeks, because there's really no Christmas story in Mark and John, if you thought those were weird, it's going to be a little extra weird today. I'm excited about this because... I am weird. I'm going to love today because today we're talking about the Christmas story in Matthew. Now, Matthew, this is going to be fun today because Matthew actually does something really, really interesting, something very different from the previous two uh, biographies that we, that we read. Here's what Matthew does. Matthew gives us what can be related to kind of, we could call it a trailer, like a movie trailer. This is an actual movie trailer. This is a movie trailer um, for, uh, 
It's got two trailers on it, actually, The Avengers and also for Hunger Games. So this is an actual... Now, if you... Um, if you were born after about 2014-ish or so, or if you didn't do much movieing before then, uh, everything since then pretty much has been digital. So you're looking at a piece of history, a piece of history. You may never see this again, right? This is cool. This is an actual movie trailer and uh, made with film that would go through not... I don't, I don't want to date myself more. So... It would go through a projector. All right. So, um, movie trailer. Oh, Matthew, movie trailer. Matthew gives us a movie trailer, kind of what's going to be coming in his biography. This is pretty cool. That's what he does. So, Matthew gives us this quick, and, a, and it's a whole bunch of little snapshots is what he gives us. A bunch of little snapshots um, about the individuals who are going to be the supporting characters in this movie, this picture of Jesus, all right? And just like any good uh, movie, Matthew kind of follows a script for his story. And so, a good movie uh, contains, in the beginning, something called the exposition. And the exposition is where we get kind of the background information that we need to know so everything that follows makes sense. So we get the context, background information, and this is what Matthew is giving us in this trailer. Then after the exposition, then we have this thing called rising action. Anyone know the, the, the movie term for it, the film term? The denouement. You get the denouement, and that's the, oh, sorry, Laura. It's the rising action, and that's when all the trouble starts happening. That's when things go wrong, and so he gives us that, and then it builds to the climax of the movie, and um, and in this case, the climax of this biography, and Matthew gives us all that. Today, we're going to be, though, looking at this trailer. Now, for many of us, if we were writing the script for this movie, if you're anything like me, this is where I would start. I would probably skip down and start with verse 18 in chapter 1 of Matthew, because here's what this says. This says in Matthew 18, 1, 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. And then we go straight into that birth story, right? That's what I would do anyway. But that is not how Matthew begins in his movie. Uh, he, Matthew starts it differently. He starts it like this. In a world where love and relationships were broken, Abraham steps onto the big screen in conjunction with Isaac and Jacob and King David to bring you Jesus, a story of redemption. Now, that's a little dramatic. That's not exactly how Matthew starts his movie and his trailer. He does something a little differently. Here's how Matthew begins, but it's basically, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Listen to how he begins. He says this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is where he starts. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. In other words, Matthew's getting ready to give us the bloodline of Jesus. In other words, here are all the people that kind of uh, are get to play a part in this great big story, uh, God's redemptive story of all mankind. And we get a picture, a, a glimpse, a snapshot of a lot of these people. Now think about this. To me, this is kind of cool. 
It's a snapshot of all the lives whose blood runs directly to Jesus. Matthew tells us in verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. And we're like, okay, Abraham, yeah, I've heard of Abraham. He's kind of like the rock star, the superstar of the old covenant. We know about Abraham. Then he says, Isaac was the father of Jacob. And it's like, okay, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob. Yeah, I've heard of Jacob. May not know a lot about him, but yeah, I've heard about him. I know he's in this movie, significant. And then he says, Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And it's like, okay, I, I'm not sure. I, I Maybe I have heard about Judah. I know a little bit. Like, I mean, I've heard the uh, line of the tribe of Judah, right? We've heard things like that. So that, that may be what you're thinking. Yep, I've heard of them. I, I, that sounds important to me. And he goes on and on and on. On, giving us tiny little details about this bloodline uh, that is all pointing to and going to, to Jesus. And honestly, um, many of us, if we were to read the Christmas story, we skip over that part. <laughs> Most of us are not going to sit down around the Christmas tree on Christmas morning and read the bloodline of Jesus. We just aren't. Maybe some will but most of us are not. But Matthew goes on for 42 generations listing this bloodline of Jesus, starting with Abraham, and he goes all the way until he finally lands at verse 16, which says, Jacob was the father of Joseph. You've heard of him. He's in the Christmas story. The husband of Mary, we've heard of her. She's in the Christmas story that gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And that's where he ends this generational bloodline, this, all these genealogies. Can you imagine? 42 generations of your family <laughs> displayed before the world. Can you imagine what that might be like? I mean, that could be a little scary, right? 42 of my generations in my family? Come on. I mean, the, I don't know that I want all those stories out there, right? Those could be some pretty interesting snapshots. As we think about the bloodline of Jesus, 42 generations, that's plenty of generations for some dirt. <laughs> plenty. But come on, we're talking about Jesus. Shouldn't we kind of hide some of that stuff? Maybe put it in a box and slide it under the bed? I, I, I don't know. It may not be the best way to put Jesus in the best light, right? Well, I would think that his bloodline would be pristine, but actually um, it's kind of provocative. It's probably a lot more like my family <laughs> and it might be like yours as well. So the family lineage of Jesus is not exactly pristine. It's filled with some characters. But amazingly, Matthew doesn't cover this up. He doesn't hide this. You see, today, <laughs> I kind of want you to know maybe why all of this stuff is part of Matthew's account of the Christmas story. Why doesn't he just kind of leave some of these things out of the movie? That's a big question, you know? He didn't have to include some of this stuff. But why did he include it? It's very possible because not only is Christmas forgetting, right? We talked about that on week one. 
And not only is Christmas for giving, we talked about that last week, but today Christmas is also about forgetting. And quite honestly, some of the people who have been cast into Matthew's film, well, like me, some of those people probably should have been passed over. They should have been skipped, maybe, maybe even ignored. Passed over, excluded. You see, Matthew gives us 42 generations, all in order. But there's only there, there are 48 names that he lists in those 42 generations. When the truth is, he only needed 41 names. Hmm. There are names that we would expect to hear as he goes through this genealogy of Jesus. We hear names like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and King David. Those may be names that you have heard. We would expect those to be in there. And then there's some names that you've never heard of. There's this guy. Let's see who he is. Yeah, that guy. Ever heard of him? And there's and this other guy too. Who's that? Yeah. Ever heard of them? I mean, they are in the the line of Jesus, the bloodline of Jesus. So there's people we've heard of, people we've never heard of. And they're all part of this family tree of Jesus. But here is the point where the plot thickens. There's also some unexpected names that, that Matthew chose to include and chose to highlight in the bloodline of Jesus. In fact, there are seven extra names. And of those seven names, four of those names were shocking, even scandalous. They probably should never have made the movie. They should have been left on the cutting room floor. Hmm. Because we're talking about Jesus here, right? And these people, like me, they were much less than Jesus. They didn't exactly fit the narrative that Matthew was about to build. Not exactly what the people thought they were getting ready to read. It didn't quite paint the picture that they thought was coming. And then we have to ask the question, or did they? Hmm. We'll see. The people we're going to look at are people who largely everyone around them would say, let's just forget. These are the family secrets. We're going to leave them in a box, shove them under the bed, because these people are scandalous. We all have snapshots in our lives. I certainly do. Snapshots of things, snapshots of people that we would like to bury in the backyard. Well, I mean, not bury them. <laughs> not them, because then we would be the scandal, right? No, not them. No, it's the snapshot, the memory, the thought. We want to bury that. We don't want to have to think about that again. And so somehow, though, Matthew is reminding us that all these things that everyone else wants to forget about, that Matthew won't let us forget about, Matthew is reminding us their blood runs straight to Jesus. Wow. And so Matthew doesn't hide it. This is so interesting to me. In Matthew's account, we find some people that he did not have to mention. 
He didn't have to. And yet, for some reason, Matthew chose to include them on purpose. And these are people that he's going to place alongside Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. And they could have, literally could have been left out of this narrative that Matthew is presenting. He could have skipped over them and everything else that he wrote would still be accurate. But instead, he opens the closet door, he goes inside, and he drags out all of these skeletons and puts them on display for everybody. Wow. So he includes these snapshots directly into the story of Jesus. And bigger still, Matthew attaches them directly to Jesus in his bloodline. Wow. These people get a film role. And now forever and for always, they are going to be listed in the credits. When the rest of the family would look and they would say, ah, maybe they're thinking more like a gangster. Ah, forget about it. <laughs> Get them out of here. They just want to forget about them. They want to forget about that moment, that instance. They might be thinking, they're not good enough for this movie. Matthew chooses to include people like Tamar. Shocking, first of all, because if we look at the culture that Matthew is writing in, Tamar is obviously a woman. And if for no other reason, 2,000 years ago, when Matthew was writing this, according to their cultural norms, it would have been more appropriate for him just to skip over and overlook any, any woman at all. Now, we would not agree with that today. We, that is not part of our culture. But 2,000 years ago, the very fact that he even inserted the name of a woman into the bloodline, the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus, that was shocking. That was his culture. Never in those days was a woman to be included with things like that. But there she is. She's there. But not only that, it gets worse. Tamar, Tamar is one of those family secrets. And the sad thing is, Tamar is a victim. She was a victim of circumstance. And I would say a, that was brought upon by people. So she was a victim of people. And she was reduced to doing something she probably would have never done. See, Tamar pretended to be a prostitute. And she tricked her father-in-law into upping the rating <laughs> of the movie. She tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her. And as a result, she had a child. And this child was directly in the bloodline of Jesus when that child was born. And honestly, really through no fault of hers, Tamar did something that probably should have excluded her from the bloodline of Jesus. But Matthew, Matthew, for some reason, does not. 
And in chapter 1, verse 3, there she is. You will find Tamar. Just like you will also find the name Rahab. Now, Rahab uh, never should have been included in the bloodline of Jesus for really all the same reasons. Uh, you know, she was a woman um, and she was a prostitute, except in contrast, Rahab didn't just pretend to be a prostitute one day. Rahab was a prostitute every day for a period of time and for years. And so she never should have made the list. But right there in Matthew chapter one, verse five, you find Matthew inserted her name legitimately. And it's there and it's Rahab. And you find that Rahab is the mother of a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz. Um, Boaz is the guy who married a woman named Ruth. Now, Ruth is also included in this genealogy, this bloodline of Jesus. Now, Ruth her family secret was not something of morality or immorality. Her family secret, no, not like the first two. Um, her family secret was her race, okay? Ruth's race was her family secret. So remember that Matthew is writing to Jews, okay? He's writing to Jews. Matthew himself is a Jew, and Matthew is attempting to convince Jewish people about the legitimacy of Jesus. And Jews in that day pretty much, they pretty much hated Gentiles, which was anyone who was not a Jew. They pretty much hated Gentiles. And Ruth was a Gentile. There's the family secret. She was not a Jew. Right there. Plain as day, Matthew in chapter 7, um, I'm sorry, Matthew in chapter 1, verse 5, we are going to read about Ruth. And we're, we find out that Ruth, this non-Jew who's in this bloodline, this Jewish genealogy, this Jewish bloodline, we find out that Ruth is the mother of this man named Obed. You may not have heard of Obed, but Obed is the grandfather of King David. Maybe you've heard about King David. So that makes Ruth King David's great-grandmother. Now, this may not be and is not a big deal to us as we hear this. What's the big deal? No big deal. But when a Jewish reader would hear this bloodline and this Jewish uh, genealogy and to unnecessarily, Matthew did not have to put this in, to unnecessarily include a non-Jewish grandmother of King David, this would have been highly, highly offensive. Why, Matthew? It's like, I don't understand, Matthew. Why? Why wouldn't you just ignore this? Why wouldn't you just ignore the embarrassment that there is a non-Jew in this Jewish genealogy? Why not just hide that? Like maybe, Matthew, we should hide Bathsheba. She shows up next. Again, 
a woman, so we don't have to go over that again. She shouldn't have been included based upon that culture of that day. And I mean, yeah, she is the mother of King Solomon, but here's what, here's what we're missing here. Um, see, David and Bathsheba together were adulterers. And do you know what the law says about adulterers for an Israelite? You should go look it up. <laughs> it was scary. She shouldn't have shown up in the bloodline of Jesus in this Jewish genealogy. For many reasons, there should have been zero chances of any of these ladies being a part of this movie. And yet, Matthew is reminding us that their blood flowed straight to Jesus, the Messiah. And Matthew doesn't hide that fact, but he easily could have, but he doesn't. Most of Israel would have rather have forgotten about those stories, maybe even forgotten about those lives, to forget about those people, to pass them over, to leave them out, because they didn't want to be reminded of these snapshots in their history. And I'll be honest. When it comes to Jesus, I should have been left out as well. I should have been left out. I should have been skipped over. I should have been ignored. You guys have no idea. I should have been excluded. I should have been passed by. Jesus should have walked past me, and he should have kept walking and never looked back. And maybe you feel that way too. Let's face it, you have some embarrassing snapshots too, don't you, in your own life. There are plenty of reasons why Jesus should have skipped us and passed us by. And like these people that Matthew is now shining the light on, seemingly, needlessly, we all have plenty of snapshots in our own lives, places where we desire to have a do-over, where we wish we could go back and erase that and make another decision and do it again. But now this is huge. The entirety of your story real and my story real is so much more than a few snapshots. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is true in movies as well. Um, in fact, a movie is made up of hundreds of thousands of uh, snapshots. Um, so this is a, about a three-minute movie trailer, okay? You see how wide that is? Um, when I used to build out movies, um, they come on like seven, eight, sometimes 10 or more big reels, and you would splice them together onto a platter. And so if this represents, and it does three minutes, a, a, a movie that has been completely built. So you see how wide that is. That's about what, four inches wide, four and a half, 
A movie that's completely built out, about a two-hour movie, if it's laid flat like this, is about this wide. Okay? So you see a difference there. Um, in fact, one second, one second, that is one second of film right there. In fact, I took this one out of uh, Avatar. This is one second of film. And, and that one second of film, uh, there are 30 individual snapshots, okay, that make up 30. So there's 30 snapshots in one individual second of film. If we were to stretch out uh, a movie that's about two hours long, and we were just to unroll it, and we've had to do that before in the theater. We had to, if we had a problem and it just goes haywire, and film starts going everywhere, we have to stretch it out, stretch it out, and get all the curls out. It, it, I, I can't explain how hard that is and how horrible it is. But if we were to stretch it out down the road, it would be about a mile and a half for a two-hour movie. And, he, and it's all just individual little pictures, one after the other, 30 to one second. So a two-hour film is about uh, 7,200 seconds, okay? So that means that there are, in a two-hour film, there's about 216,000 individual pictures. Back-to-back, -back, right in order all the way through. 216,000 individual pictures. And yet... We base our ideas, we base our thoughts of ourselves and the way we think about other people, we base that upon one or two of these. Just one or two. And we say, that's what that person is all about. This one little snapshot represents the entire life. When that movie, a two-hour movie, it's going to have 216,000 of these. And we take one or two and we say, this describes me. Or everyone looks at my life and say, this one, this one moment in my life back then, that's Harley. This one moment in your life, that's you. And for the rest of your life, that's who you are. This one snapshot when there's so, so much more to your life. Wow. That doesn't have to be the case. There can be more to your life's movie and more to my life's movie than one or two snapshots that we're trying to shove to the back of the closet and hide from everybody. There can be more to your life than that. You see, a snapshot only becomes the focus. This only becomes the focus of the entire film if we'll let this represent the film. This snapshot only becomes the focus of the entire film if we live this snapshot over and over and over and over again. We just repeat the same unhealthy relationship just with a different girl. We repeat the same toxic relationship just with a different guy. We turn to that same bottle of alcohol over and over and over again. We open up a new bottle of pills just from a different pharmacy or from a different baggie or from a different Ziploc, right? 
we do the same thing over and over and over again. When we repeat this scene over and over and over and over again, do those embarrassing snapshots become the feature length movie? They do. In fact, Paul says it like this. This is shocking to me. Here's what Paul says. He says, yes, we should all be disqualified from being in this movie about Jesus. We should all be disqualified. We should all be left out, every single one of us. Here's how he words this. This is one of, uh, this is just an amazing passage of scripture. Listen to what he says. Don't you realize, Paul speaking, don't you realize that those who do wrong won't inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, he says they're left out. He said, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery, who are male prostitutes, who practice homosexuality, who, uh, homosexuality, who are thieves, who are greedy people, drunkards, and are abusive or cheap people, none of these, he said, will inherit the kingdom of God. And what we find next in the very next verse may be one of my most favorite things in the new covenant, uh, apart from the words of Jesus. Listen to what Paul says next. And that is what some of you were. He said you were. He said, but for some of you, something has changed. Something is different. And I want you to know in my life, that applies to me. He's talking about me. And Paul is saying that all of us were some of these things. All of us were some of these things. Some of us were many of these things. And then the next word, but, and I want you to know, this is a big but. Yes. (laughs) Here's what he says. If you have placed your life, your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, here's what this but means. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of God. Wow. Wow. And for us today, Jesus would look at us and he would say, exactly, that's why I came. I'm not forgetting you. Even though everyone else might be forgetting you, might be passing you by, might be looking at this one snapshot and judging your entire life, Jesus said, I'm not forgetting you. Even though everyone else has or everyone else wants to, I am not forgetting you. And it is only through Jesus Christ that we can forget what we were. We can forget what we were. I can forget what I did. And you can forget what you used to be. All of those snapshots do not have to define you anymore but it's only through Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. It's only through Jesus. These snapshots do not have to become your feature film. 
They don't have to become the story of your life. And that's why this year for Christmas, Christmas is forgetting. Christmas is forgetting. The snapshots of Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba did not include them, exclude them, did not exclude them from being included in the bloodline of Jesus, included in his story. And for you and me, that thing that we've been hiding, that snapshot we've been hiding, that snapshot that we've been keeping secret, the reason why uh, that maybe for a season that we were most ashamed. Maybe that season was for years. Maybe that season was for decades. But that does not have to exclude us either because of Jesus. Paul says we can still inherit the kingdom of heaven. But that's the key. It can only happen through Jesus. We're just simply ending like this today. Is that you? Is that you? Have you accepted what has been freely given by Jesus? Have you accepted that? Is that your next step today? At the Church of Malvern and Stuttgart Harvest Church, we word it like this. We say it's the place, the point in our lives where we realize we need to make Jesus the boss of our lives. That moment I realized that he died on the cross for me. And he, is, he died on the cross for me, taking all of these snapshots with him. And so my question is this, is this the moment that you realize that, yes, he died for me. And because of that, I need to say, I have been the boss of my life. But now I realize I need to make him the boss of my life because he purchased my life on the cross. Is that what needs to happen for you today? And if it is, it is as simple as that. In your heart right now, telling Jesus, yes, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. And you took all of those snapshots with you to the cross. And now, Jesus, because you died for me, you purchased this life. And I'm giving it to you. You are my boss. I'm asking you, will you take my life? Will you be my boss? And if you're making that decision today, would you let us know on your connection card? We're not going to show up at your house. We're just simply going to send you some information, some information to help you get a start on this journey of Christ being your boss, of you following Jesus. Will you let us know? Don't think you deserve it. Neither did they. And guess what? I didn't either. And neither did you. But that's the point. Maybe. Just maybe. That's why Matthew included them in this account. Because he's reminding us. Their blood runs to Jesus. 
so that his blood can cover you. And I need to let you know this. If his blood covers you, you're covered. So forget about it. Let's pray. Father, this year, this Christmas, it truly can be about forgetting. God, you didn't forget me. When you were on the cross, you died for me. But because you didn't forget me, I can now forget all those things from my past. Because you died for me. If I'll just simply hand my life and all those things over to you. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Maybe, just maybe. That's exactly why you had Matthew place all these people inside this account. Because it's reminding us that their blood flows directly to you, Jesus, so that your blood can cover us. And if your blood covers us, we're covered. So we can forget about it. And we simply can say to you now, thank you, Jesus. Amen.